Welcome to the I Have ADHD podcast, where it's all about education, encouragement, and coaching for adults with ADHD. I'm your host, Kristen Carter, and I have ADHD. Let's chat about the frustrations, humor, and challenges of adulting, relationships, working, and achieving with this neurodevelopmental disorder. I'll help you understand your unique brain, unlock your potential, and move from point A to point B. Hey, what's up? This is Kristen Carter, and you are listening to the I Have ADHD podcast, episode number 94. I am medicated, I am caffeinated, and I am so ready to roll because today I have my client, Malia Dicker, here to chat about the concept of pardoning our past selves. And I can't wait for you to hear from her because she is the one that originally came up with this concept, and I love it so much. She's done a lot of work around perfectionism, and we're going to chat about that a lot today. So, Malia, hi. Thank hey, you, Kristen. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks so much for the kind words on part one of the podcast. I listened to that. And I was like, oh, so validating. I was grinning, grinning ear to ear. So thank you. Yay. I'm so glad. Well, I definitely didn't want to just steal it and claim it as my own, even though, I mean, it is such an amazing concept. When you first said it, I think I said like, this is so important. It's so valuable and it gives language to something that I think, um, like as a coach, I've been trying to communicate and just didn't have the words for. So I'm really thankful for you for showing <laughs> up and, and giving language to that. So thank you. Thank you. Glad to be tell here. Us, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay area in Sonoma, California, a small town. And I moved to Jackson, Mississippi 12 years ago. And the next question people ask is like, how did you get to Mississippi? <laughs> my husband is from here and he went to college with my sister in New Orleans. So they were buddies mm -hmm. and she married his best friend from college, which <laughs> is amazing. So we're all buddies. <laughs> that is so fun. So are, do you guys all still hang out? Yeah, well, they're in Barcelona, Spain. And so we sometimes do Zooms together and Jill, my sister and I have a podcast together. Sometimes nice. we'll have the guys on, uh, the dudes uh, as we call them. And that's really fun. So yeah, we have a, a like a WhatsApp thread. So we're always talking every day. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And so, so tell um, me about like what you do and your family and all that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my family's still mostly out in California. My parents mm -hmm. are out there and, um, Darren, my husband and I have a marketing firm here in Jackson, and we mostly work with nonprofit clients. I mostly mm -hmm. work with strategy and communications and writing, and we get to move the needle on a lot of great issues like children's health and racial reconciliation through mm -hmm. marketing communications, which is super rewarding. And uh, working together, you know, is interesting, especially during quarantine. We love each other. We work in separate rooms, which is nice. So we can actually like at the end of the day, not have, you know, what did you do all day? I know. Cause I've seen you all day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm also working on earning a living at my creative work in personal mm -hmm. development that has been, you know, psychology and personal development is my passion. So, you know, a lot of the kind of thing that you do and focused, yeah. and I have a podcast with my sister called semi together. And so that's about working on where we want to get it together while giving ourselves credit for where we've got it together. 
So we recognize ourselves, all those little, you know, we're imperfect, but we have some things together. If they change week to week (laughs) and we share tips and takeaways, you know, based on our experience and research for our listeners. So we want to expand that into courses and products to help people with their perfectionism and anxiety, Mm -hmm. the things that we struggle with and, you know, through self-compassion and a sense of humor. Mm. That is very exciting. Yeah. We just, we love it. I mean, it fuels me. So I need to just make time for that among my still rewarding, you know, paid work, but my creative work is what really, truly fuels me. Tell me a little bit about your ADHD diagnosis. I actually don't know any of this about you. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about it. Yeah, it was very recent. I am 40 years old. I turned 40 last summer and it was shortly after that on September 1st, 2020, never forget the day, just over five months ago. And yeah, it was wild. I was totally surprised because I had been, you know, a really high achieving student, a people pleasing kid, rule follower. So it was not at all in my mind. And uh, I had, you know, struggled some after I graduated because in school, you know, we have this roadmap, we have instructions, and then you graduate and you're kind of at sea because like no one is setting your goals and giving Mm -hmm. you like step-by-step how to get there. And during the pandemic quarantine, I just was largely under-functioning. I mean, you know, my kids were still dressed and clothed and all that. And, you know, but like my paid work, I just could not focus. I could not produce. I was like really emotionally dysregulated. And so you know, trying to homeschool and work full time. I mean, all of us were struggling. And so at one point I was just sitting at the dining room table and my husband came in. I was like, do I have ADHD or something? I just blurted it out. And it jogged his memory that probably four years ago, he had found an article on women with ADHD, like a lost generation of women. And he had mentioned it to me and I had just bristled and be like, oh, another thing that's wrong with me. So he like, as a wise husband had backed off and not shown it to me or pursued it. I have zero recollection of this conversation, of course. And so I, you know, at that point I was like, wow, I started researching and, you know, as soon as I did, I was like, wow, you know, this fits like, this is exactly Mm. what I'm going through. And so I found your podcast. I um, was searching the Apple podcast store and I started listening and I was like, this is amazing. Kristen's amazing. And I, you know, at that time it was like right before this was um, in August, you know, before my diagnosis. And so August 31st, you know, is when I signed up for focus the day before my diagnosis, because at that time your courses were structured, like (laughs) it was wild. It was like, you know, the next day we're starting a new session. So, you know, sign up now. And I was like, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm pretty confident I do have ADHD and yeah, that was, it was really wonderful to join that community. And it has been so game-changing already. I mean, Mm. your teachings, like I have your Kristen voice in my head, like it's not a problem. Don't make it a problem. And so it's like your modeling has taught me to be a lot kinder to myself, you know, on your calls, you know, if you lose your train of thought, you'll just bring it back, put your hands together, say, no, Kristen, start over. (laughs) It's not a problem. Have a sense of humor about it. We're adults with ADHD. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Don't make it a problem. Don't make it mean something bad about you, you know? So yeah, I hyper-focused on researching if they're your course and like reading books and articles and, you know, hyper-focus is the superpower when it's channeled the right way. Absolutely. (laughs) I have read a ton and researched a ton. So luckily, you know, when I saw the psychiatrist who diagnosed me, 
I had brought a lot of this research and, um, it turns out he had ADHD and had a son with ADHD. So he was familiar, which was wonderful and validating. And he's like, you asked me, he asked me questions and he said, you meet the criteria. And I just like sighed with relief and felt so validated just knowing what this is, this missing piece that I felt, you know, my whole life had been just sort of like there had been something missing and I hadn't understood, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially since I've graduated and kind of struggled, but I kind of think of it that late diagnosis at age 40 as grief and relief, you know, just grief over all those years (laughs) that I struggled not knowing what this is. And, you know, it would have been really nice to know, of course, you know, not blaming anyone because God, I didn't know my husband didn't know my family didn't know my teachers didn't. And then relief, you know, because now I know, and now I can do something about it and zero in on what I need to thrive. Absolutely. I, you know, coach a lot of clients who really feel that grief. And I just always love to remind all of us that it is always a privilege to be diagnosed. Even if you're in your sixties, your seventies, like it is always a privilege to figure it out and to be able to identify like, oh, these are not moral failings. This is not a character flaw. This is something you know, um, a function of my brain that is just wired differently. And I can implement these tools to help me be more successful, but it will be something that I always struggle with. And it's just a part of me like that seems to be such a, um, I just have so much compassion for people who never get the diagnosis. So I have this like suspicion that my paternal grandparents, maybe both of them had ADHD and I just have so much compassion for them. Like they, they will never know whether or not like they've both passed away and, Mm -hmm. and they, you know, like what if they spent their whole lives thinking something was really wrong with them and, and now being able to know like at, at 40 or for me Mm -hmm. at 21, like that's just such a privilege. It is. Yeah. I think my maternal grandmother had it too. My mom thinks she did. You know, my mom would say that she had piles of laundry that was kind of unfolded or half folded. And she, I remember when I was 15, she came up to me, I was playing a song on the piano and she's like, Oh, I could never do that. It's like, that's so beautiful. And I was like heartbroken. Cause I was like, yes, you could, you could just, right. you could learn it, you know, but she right. just had the self-concept that was, you know, flawed and yeah. she felt like she couldn't do things. So yeah. And my heart goes out to her and to everyone who is undiagnosed. And I hope that in talking about this, especially about women, that more women will learn that and get treated because it presents differently in women a lot of the time. Oh my gosh, Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I have, um, and uh, my son also was diagnosed like right after me. Often it's the opposite, you know, the son gets diagnosed and then the mom, but my seven-year-old son who has been spirited and he's an eight, like yourself, right? An Enneagram oh. eight. <laughs> so an ADHD eight gifted, you know, intellectually. Oh, God like, bless you. <laughs> yeah, Not like, an easy person to parent. No, he's always, since he's age two, he's been very challenging, creative, curious, and I think he's grown and thinks he knows what to do. But yeah, do, you, do any of your sons have ADHD? My son just got diagnosed as well. Like wow. two weeks ago. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. How old is he? No, he's 10. Oh my goodness. And he is inattentive uh-huh. and we always suspected, but it never really mattered much. Like he was doing fine in school and, um, it didn't seem when I say it never really mattered much. What I mean before mm-hmm. you send me emails, everyone <laughs> is that we didn't see it affecting him negatively in his life. He never said like, he always made good connections and relationships. He was always doing well in school, but as he got older, 
um, the executive functioning component when it was no longer appropriate for me to be his frontal lobe Mm -hmm. and start Mm -hmm. to hand off things to him. Like remember to put your lunch in your backpack, remember to bring your water bottle home, remember to like, not just do your homework, but hand it in like those kinds of things. Um, that's where we notice, like, okay, um, he could probably use some support, like what's going on here. And so we took him to a psychologist because he's been such a great kid that I was a little bit leery of just saying it to, hmm, I'm don't want to get myself in trouble here, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Okay. So I didn't want to just say to a doctor or the teachers like, Hey, I really suspect this because he's such a good kid. He, I really think he would have been overlooked. Like he is not a problem. He's not a squeaky wheel. He follows the rules and he does well in school. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the things were things that we were seeing at home. And so the psychologist spent so much time with him and finally was like, we actually just got a med um, prescription yesterday. So oh wow, yeah, we just started my new. son as well. Yeah, wow. and so at, at home is when is where you know at school he's been fine. Um, yes. He's like forgetting things now. So you know, as your son is, you know, the jacket, the yep. water bottle, that you know, they all disappear. Um, but yeah, at home, it's the emotional dysregulation, uh, and you know, he and I light each other's fuses a lot. Um, <laughs> Because I'm an Enneagram one and so perfectionist, you know, with the challenger, I'm like, you should follow the rules. And he's like, I should do what I want. It's <laughs> volatile sometimes. So <laughs> I relate to that. Oh my goodness. Okay. So um, Malia, you were the first one to come up with the concept of pardoning your past self. Tell me everything. Like, how did that come to be? Yes. So pardons were in the news in January because of the change in the presidential administration. Mm -hmm. And so U.S. presidents can grant pardons at any time, but usually do that as they're leaving office. It's not like politically beneficial for them to do that often. So um, they usually grant them to people who've been convicted or charged with crimes. And sometimes those people are still in prison or serve their time, but can get their records expunged, right? So people who've received pardons throughout history have committed some pretty serious crimes. And I thought if these old rich white guys who've committed tax evasion or perjury or even murder get to start over with a clean slate, then why can I not pardon myself for like blurting out something awkward and making it weird or forgetting to send my son with money to school for the carnival, you know? <laughs> Most of the time, my intentions were good, even if the impact wasn't what I wanted. Mm. I love the way that last sentence came out of your mouth. Most of the time, my intentions were good, even though the impact didn't end up being like the outcome that I wanted. That I think describes so perfectly so many of the things that we beat ourselves up for over and over and over and over. That's right. Yeah. Intention and impact. I think about that a lot. And when my husband and I, you know, have a conflict or something, I'm just like, you know, I recognize that even though my intentions were to do this, the impact was this and just separating those things out that can help a lot. Mm. So what does it mean to you to be pardoned or when you say pardoned, like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So I mean, when I start beating myself up over something that I did or I didn't do and going into a shame spiral about that or ruminating on it, just thinking again and again about the same thing, I pause and I breathe and I intentionally practice self-compassion. I like how you said on part one, just how it's, it's a concrete, it's a like way of describing it. 
forgiveness to me is kind of abstract and it can be kind of an ongoing thing, but pardon is an action. It's a conscious immediate action. You know, you may need to do it again and again, but I think of the Maya Angelou quote, do the best you can until you know better Then, when you know better, do better. Mm. Because I truly believe we are all doing the best we can at our current level of, of consciousness. And we are all evolving all the time as we are gaining more knowledge and skills and experience. And I think of Michelle Obama's memoir, Becoming. (laughs) I love Michelle Obama. And I'm like, if she is still becoming, then I think I can be too. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's so fascinating how, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, but maybe you can relate how I expected myself to show up so perfectly in so many situations that I had never even navigated before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and I think of myself as a young soul, you know, you you hear about old souls Mm. all the time. And I think that I'm a young soul, you know, like, I feel like I'm 15, even though I'm 40. And I think when I'm 60, I'll feel 15, you know, and I think a lot of ADHDers feel like young souls, you know, trying to navigate the world and figure it out. And we just like, aren't equipped in a lot of ways, you know, and you have to learn those things. And it's just, it gives me compassion for myself. Cause I'm like, how am I supposed to know? I'm a young soul. You know, I haven't come across this before. <laughs> mm. Yeah. My sister and I actually, you know, we talk about this in our podcast. We actually had an episode called the shame file because <laughs> my sister laughed because I actually have a note on my phone. that's called the shame file <laughs> pre ADHD diagnosis. I started keeping track of these things because they would haunt me again and again. I'm like, look, I'm going to write these down. So I can actually concretely look at them and mm. see if I can do something about them so I can delete them from the shame file. <laughs> so it's like this thing I said to this person that hurt their feelings, this thing, you know, back in elementary school, you know, so a running list. And so, you know, in talking about them on the podcast, it was so like confessional and like unburdening, you know, it's just mm. Bre- Brene Brown, who I probably will quote a lot because she's amazing. And her research yes. on shame and vulnerability is insane yes. and amazing. But she says shame cannot survive being spoken. It cannot survive Mm. empathy. And that has been true every time for me. Like Mm. I have been, you know, thinking people will think less of me if I say this, if I admit this, like, or this is a real downer, you know, but every single time I've said it on the podcast, I've written something about it. People have reached out to me and said, you know, me too related to what I shared. It's given voice to something that they have like felt, but couldn't express or just felt like they weren't alone. So it's really connecting. It is. I I have experienced that so much as well. And it's it that moment when you are sitting at the podcast mic and as a podcaster, I'm sure you can relate when you're sitting there and you're like, am I going to say it? Like, is, is it going yes. to come out of my mouth? Am I going to leave it in? Like, is, am I actually going to be telling thousands of people this business, right? Like my business, the tea about me, like, am I really going to be saying this into the world? And when I do, first of all, I feel terrible afterwards because I'm like, (laughs) now everybody knows, but inevitably all the time people are reaching out, like, thank you. That resonated. I thought I was the only one me too, you know, like sending Crosby to school, like his whole class is dressed up for Halloween and he's not. And I'm just like, I am the worst mom ever, but that resonated with so many moms. Oh my it's gosh. Yeah. So fun. I, yeah. We, the carnival thing, you know, my son, this is so last year or like, yeah, last year there was a school carnival. I forgot to send money to school with my child. So he, mm. you know, wasn't able to do the games and stuff. His teacher, I think gave him some money. So he was able to do that. And so that was really kind, 
the, the following year, I put it on my calendar to send him with money, but mm -hmm. I put it on the wrong day. So <laughs> it was the day after, like he went and then I was planning to send him the next day with money. Oh my gosh, I know. So I'm just like, it's just the phenomenal. universe being just like, I, you know, I give up, you know, and he was fine, you know, and like, I think another kid gave him some money. So it was an opportunity, you know, yeah. for connection and for mm -hmm. resilience, you know, it's like, and I apologize to him. And now I know that was an ADHD moment. And then now we know. So I talked to him about those things and I'm like, sometimes our brains you know, we forget things and it's okay. It's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you get to model that now for him. Yes. And that really helps him. You know, when he got his diagnosis, I said, you know, buddy, we have the same kind of brain, you know, and uh, it has, has gifts and it has strengths and we learn to manage it. And he turned to his dad and he's like, daddy, I'm sorry that you don't have the same type of brain we do. <laughs> and I was like, this is, that's so amazing. <laughs> That is amazing. Oh my gosh. What are some of like the craziest things that you've had to pardon yourself for? And what I mean by that is like the things that like, why am I actually beating myself up for this? Like the things from maybe childhood or <laughs> what are some of the things that you've kept in your shame file that you're like, why is this thing even here? Like, do you oh have any gosh. examples of that? <laughs> Well, the one I put, and you read this on part one, but the board game, I remember, and I was probably eight years old. So I had gotten this Muppet Babies board game for Muppet, <laughs> Muppet oh Babies, which is still a thing. My daughter loves it. Oh it's rebooted. It. But yeah, it was this board game I got for Christmas and all my cousins came over. There were like 10 of us. And then they were like, hey, Malia, this looks really fun. Let's play it. And I just was, I think now it was RSD, you know, the rejection sensitive dysphoria. I had, someone had said something or I just was in a mood. And I was like, no, this is my game. I am going to you know, keep it in my room. And they kept insisting. And I was like, no. And so I, we didn't play it. And I was like, later, even as a child, I was like, why did I do that? You know, like that was an opportunity for fun and for connection. And it's like, you know, I had an ADHD moment back then, you know, <laughs> and I've said things like, okay, Darren um, was recording a call with a client. It was a video for one of our clients. And so I heard him recording. This was just this week. <laughs> he was on zoom here in the office. And I was just walking into the other room to, you know, with my laptop. And I slammed the door. Like I knew he was on the call, but then I just slammed the door out of habit because I do that because I just move through the house very quickly. <laughs> it takes too much time to close it softly. Yeah. Anyway, as soon as I did that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that probably showed up on the call. And yes, it did. It actually knocked the view off the speaker and onto him. <laughs> so then he had to go and cover it up with other footage because in the middle of this poor woman's interview, it cuts to Darren looking startled. <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah, I'm just like, you know what? I, I, I hate that he has to clean up my messes and mm. it, you know, sometimes I let it reinforce the, the narrative of failure and then I make a mess of everything. And, mm. you know, so I had to sit with that and just be like, you know what? I'm talking to Kristen about pardoning myself. I've got to practice what I preach, you know? Mm. And he ended up using, you know, a visual, you know, uh, it was like a statewide map of where this client does its work, you know? So it actually turned out better, I think, because it's like a little pattern interrupt. It's a visual. So sometimes it can turn out better than you planned, right? It's a silver You're lining. welcome, Darren. You know, You're welcome. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so when you look back on the things that you've kind of held against yourself, why do you think that you didn't pardon yourself earlier? Like those things, like for, for example, like for me with my wedding, it took me years to actually let myself off the hook for the way that I showed up. And I don't think anybody at my wedding would have ever noticed probably anything, but I knew that it wasn't the way that I wanted it to go. 
And it took me so long for you. Why do you think that you didn't pardon yourself earlier for those types of things? Yeah. And I so relate to that because my wedding too, you know, the rehearsal dinner, the room was so small (laughs) that when everyone showed up, it was like a private room at a um, restaurant and we had looked at it in advance, but then like 40 or so people who came in were like packed in like sardines, you know, and they were trying to like make their way to the buffet and they just, it was awkward. And I was like, oh my gosh, I like went in the bathroom and cried. Yes, (laughs) We came back in, we like did it, you know, passing family style on the tables. It was fine, you know, but like, I still was like, why did I do that? But listen, I mean, arranging a wedding, planning a wedding with ADHD. I mean, that is a miracle that that happened at all. You know, that is <laughs> like we true. Can that is completely. True. And like, you know, people remember the music and the dancing and the food mm. and being together and all of that, you know, they don't, I can guarantee they do not remember those mm. things that we do. So yeah. yeah, I think for me, I have had a hard time pardoning myself because it comes from a deep perfectionism that if I'm not yeah. perfect, I'm worthless. And if I screw up, I'm a failure. And if I hurt someone, I should be punished. And so mm-hmm. I'm just holding on to that. And I grew up with a fixed mindset and I am still learning a growth mindset and trying to teach mm-hmm. my kids that too, that I can get smarter and more skilled and I can learn nearly anything through effort and mistakes are an essential part of improving. Like you oh, will not learn and yes. improve if you don't make mistakes Ooh, and if preach. you don't fail. I mean- it's like, it so makes sense in my mind, but then when it happens, it feels, you know, with the RSD, I like have such, I'm so hard on myself that when something mm-hmm. like that happens, or if someone criticizes me, even constructively, I just like feel it like a dagger, you know, and I go into a shame spiral. So yeah. Um, I don't think it occurred to me to pardon myself in the past. I used to hold grudges against other people and myself. Yes. Like if you wronged me, you're on the blacklist, you know, yeah. and I can see that was the RSD, you know, it's a part of my ADHD that yeah. made me extra sensitive to criticism and rejection and failure and personalizing that. Mm-hmm. So I would just like ruminate on the same mistakes again and again, that same script would run in my head at three in the morning, you know, oh. and I would just, I created this own personal hell to torture myself. <laughs> like, why did I do that? Why do we do this? So I love that question. Why do we do this? Because my theory on that is that our brains actually think it's useful. Like our brains think if I don't do this, I'll never change. If I don't beat myself up, I'll never become the person that I want to be. So I have to like shame myself and judge myself for my flaws so that we can improve. And it's so backwards. It's, it does it's not work. Yeah. <laughs> no. You're just holding yourself stuck in that old self or those old selves because we are changing all the time. We have so many different versions of ourselves, mm. And if we hold on to that, we're just keeping ourselves stuck mm. in who we used to be. You know, the person who didn't have that knowledge, who didn't have that skill. And now we can move forward because we do. We just have mm. to let ourselves like release ourselves. Tell me about being stuck because I think that that's exactly right. Like when I would beat myself up and I still fall into that. I mean, I was there the last couple of weeks um, with a lot more compassion, but still noticing what I was doing. Tell me about any like results you think you may have created or even not created for yourself Mm -hmm. because of that um, constant, like berating yourself or feeling like you need to hold yourself accountable for your wrongs. Yeah. I, 
I think I developed a warp self-concept from all of that, like just mm-hmm. layers and layers of maybe glasses that are sort of fogged, you know, in each mistake or misstep, I'll just put on like a new fogged layer on the glasses. So when I look oh. in the mirror, it's like warped, you know, yeah. or you can think of it as a funhouse mirror where it's just like, you see, you know, magnified all those flaws and all oh those past gosh, mistakes yeah. just immortalized in this mirror or in your lenses. And then you don't see, you know, the gifts and the achievements and the contributions Those are minimized or invisible. You know, even if someone's says it to you. Like sometimes I just don't even hear it. Like, I'm just like, Oh, thank you. And then it just floats away. So I've tried to like create a hype file for myself or a smile oh, file cool. <laughs> where I just like write down those things. <laughs> and when I need a boost, I go and look at that Google doc, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I've struggled with depression and anxiety too, you know, since high school. And now I think ADHD was at the root of that. Um, I'm not sure if those are, you know, they kind of all run in my family. I found out, you know, I, after I had my diagnosis of ADHD, I learned that a lot of my extended family has it and yeah, I know. And I was like, how come you didn't tell me? (laughs) So they're like, yep, me too. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and depression and anxiety. And so they're probably all related, but you know, I have kept myself stuck in those past versions, you know, like lost and unequipped to make my way in the world and wasted a lot of energy, just beating myself up. And I think of that as sort of like burning myself up with these flames that I could be using as like fuel or like lighting a fire under myself to propel myself forward, you know, cause you have a limited amount of energy mm-hmm. and if you use it against yourself, then, you know, you can't use it to move forward. And I'm like really trying to be on my own team, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, a concept that like had not occurred to me until this year, <laughs> you know, not to be my enemy, my worst enemy and critic, like to actually be on my own team and like, support myself. But yeah, I mean, the stuckness I've gotten so behind on my paid work that I don't have time for my creative work, um, which, you know, I want to become my paid work. Like I have a book I want to write, I want courses to develop and products to launch and all that. But I think the ADHD, you know, has just like, I just, the perfectionism, you know, I just like overwork it and overthink it. And then I'm like, I've spent way too much time on this thing that I could just ship, you know, B minus work can change the world. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's another Christianism that I'm like, yes. you do Thank like emblazon. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. <laughs> yes. But that, that would serve me a lot better because it would leave a lot more time and energy to devote to things that really fuel me and move mm. me forward in my life. Yeah. I love how you said that we have a limited amount of energy. And I do think that the shame spirals and the judgment and the getting stuck in the thought loop of beating ourselves up. It is one of the ways that our brains protect us from growth because Mm -hmm. growth is so dangerous. Growth and involvement and becoming a new person means like um, vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And it means uh, putting yourself out there. And our brains are like, you know, you could die, right? Like, let's not do that. That's a (laughs) terrible idea. And so instead it's like, keeping us in that thought loop of like, I did it wrong again. I did it wrong again. I did it, or I'm doing it wrong, or I am wrong. Like one of those, you know, take your pick. One of the three, um, keeps us the same so that we're not making progress so that we're not evolving and potentially, you know, setting ourselves up for, for perceived danger, like failure or, um, I mean, really like death, I think is what our brains are really afraid Mm -hmm. of. 
Um, yeah. And then not doing the thing just feels safer. And so you can just like retreat into yourself. I mean, I remember I had this project called reschool yourself that I did. And I actually, you know, I felt with school, I told you when I graduated, I felt so lost. And I was like, I feel like I need to go back and sort of like figure out what happened there. Like I got permission to go back into my old classrooms and like write about what it was like to go week by week from kindergarten, first grade up through college in my old, you know, with my old teachers, if they were still there in my old schools and yeah. And that was back in 2008. So, you know, 12 years ago, and I wrote a lot. I blogged, it's like still up on, you know, in the internet with this project, I had intentions, you know, of writing a book. And also just like, I know that a lot of people struggle with school. So I wanted these ideas to be out there. And so I like wrote a press release, you know, I'm doing this project. And so I had it on my laptop. I was sitting on my parents' deck because I moved back home and lived in my childhood bedroom for, you know, six months. So what? And I, I had, the, yes, <laughs> my mom cooked me dinner, you know, it was, yeah, really, I have so much to say. I still want to write this book, but right. I had the press release. I had the computer open. And then in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, what if this succeeds? Like, what if this gets picked up? What if I'm on the national news? What if I'm interviewed on live TV and I stumble over my words and I lose my train of thought? And what if, what if, and I closed the laptop and I did not send that press release. And it was like the sliding doors moment, you know, where I wonder now if I had sent the release hit send, what would have happened? You know, how would my life be different now? Potentially, you know, and, you know, I can take that and say, you know, there's lots of different paths, you know, to this same kind of destination, you know, abundance, all of that. But I've beat myself up for a long time over that and over, you know, not writing the book that I want to write. I have a manuscript, but it's not exactly what I want to write, you know, all these things. So anyway, just beating myself over that keeps me stuck and keeps me not rewriting the book, you know, or doing something else with it all together or nothing, just letting it go, you know? (laughs) Yes. Because I think we are so programmed to feel comfortable with our failure because we have felt it our entire lives that when success is right there for us, it is actually scarier than failing. 100%. Yes. And it's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. It's uncertain. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Especially as an this... ADHD or yes, <laughs> you don't know what you're going to say exactly. or do or if you can handle it. <laughs> 100%. I have experienced this myself and I also see it, um, you know, with my clients, like in focused, I'm, I am constantly trying to remind everyone, like, as you make progress, be on the lookout for self-sabotage. Yes. Because we are so not used to the feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm doing it right or whatever. Like I'm mm-hmm. making air quotes, you guys can't see, but like <laughs> doing it right, like doing it the way that I've always wanted to do it. And now the brain is like, wait a second, something has gone wrong. Like I'm not used yes. to this. This is not who we are. And so <laughs> then we go into this sabotaging mode. Yeah. And it's self-reinforcing. You psych yourself out and you're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to forget. And then you forget. Yes. <laughs> That's so true. Oh my God. Oh my, Why we do that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, and I can add a point to that. If we are okay with being imperfect, like if we think to ourselves, what if I lose my train of thought on national TV? You know, you're like, okay, just bring it back. Be Kristen Carter and just take a moment. <laughs> bring your hands in front of your heart. <laughs> yes. 
in prayer, take a moment and start over and no one cares. No one notices. I mean, you, I listened to Brene Brown's podcast and John Gottman and his wife were on there and they are amazing researchers. His phone went off or someone's phone went off in the middle of the podcast. They didn't edit it out. And I was like, if they can do that, so can I, you know, why am I spending hours editing the podcast? No one cares if the content is good. Just move on. (laughs) Just move on. I love that so much. Okay. So with perfectionism, with the perfectionism that's weaved into all of us as ADHDers, but especially my Enneagram one ADHDers who are just such a walking contradiction. Am I right? <laughs> like it's just this constant feeling of contradicting yourself because you want everything to be perfect, but then like, but you're, you're not so- perfect. Right. <laughs> I always said, even before I knew my diagnosis, I said, I am a perfectionist. Like I strive for perfection, but I'm really not that good at it. Yes. <laughs> I don't even get close. Yeah. So what are your thoughts now as you process perfectionism? Like what are your words of wisdom for, for those of us who are still in the daily struggle or maybe not even really ready to let go of perfectionism? Like what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, just getting clear that perfection is a delusion. (laughs) Like Mm. it really is. It does not exist. It is made up. You can strive for excellence, but perfectionism, you will always fail at that. And you will always be unhappy with yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you can strive for excellence and reach it in a number of different ways, including in imperfect ADHD stumbling ways, you know, you can get to excellence, you can get to B minus work and it will be fine. It will have a great impact, you know? So just starting with that (laughs) and then writing about it, like writing about all your past, you know, misdeeds or your perceived mistakes or failures, you know, it's so powerful just to put those on paper, whether you have a shame file, like I do, you know, or just like in your journal, write down an actual list of the list of grievances you have against yourself, Mm -hmm. going back to elementary school, you know, and just write down what you can do about each one. You know, sometimes it's just letting it go yourself. Like I did during the reschool yourself project, a ritual bonfire in the fireplace, like burning evidence of my past selves. (laughs) Like I had my report cards, my SAT scores. I was like, these do not sum up who I am. I had developed a complex around grades and scores. And you know, this is, you know, they measure me. So I burned them. And I was like, felt so free, you know, just old love letters, old, you know, friend letters that, you know, we weren't in touch anymore. I just like it's starting over. I'm a new person now. That's not me anymore. You know, so you can do something about each item on your list. Sometimes you'll need to make amends with people, you know, a sincere apology. It could be a text, a phone call, an email. It's amazing how you can reconnect with someone through one conversation a lot of the time, you know, yeah. and just speaking, you know, just freeing yourself of those secrets and those shame. And you think that people will like abandon you or reject you, you know, often they will just love you through it. You know, like a trusted friend, a coach, you know, a therapist, I am a huge proponent of therapy and you see that you didn't die. You know, when the thing happened, you didn't die. When you made a mistake, when you spoke about it, you didn't die, you know? And that is huge, right? Like it's (laughs) like, tell your brain that, right? Yeah. I was trying to protect you and you know, you're still here. Hmm. So I love the idea of checking in and making sure, like, I don't want it to sound like just say who cares and get over it and not, not give a thought to anyone that may have been hurt or anyone that may have been involved. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of checking in with, is this shame or judgment 
telling me something? Mm -hmm. Is it showing me that I, that I crossed a, a boundary with myself or with someone else or, um, crossed like a value boundary, you know, like my value is this, but I did this. And, and sometimes that guilt or shame can be useful in that way where it's like, this keeps coming back to me because I did cross a boundary. And do I want to do something about that? Do I want to make amends? And that's so important. A lot of the times though, the things on our lists are not those types of things, right? They're things that like, I wish I had said this, but I didn't. And it, it didn't necessarily hurt anyone, but I just like, I keep telling myself like, you're so stupid. Why didn't you say it this way? Or, you know, you chose this wedding color instead of this wedding color. And because you didn't even take the time to think it through and you just told your mom, you didn't care. Right. Like (laughs) that didn't hurt anybody, but I still beat myself up for it. You know? know. Yeah. I mean, the other day on a staff call, you know, we have a lot of people on our team who are in their twenties. So like pretty much half my age, you know, and they're saying their tasks like very clearly and efficiently. And, and I was thinking about some other things. And so it was my turn to go. I just was like stumbling over my words and I just was like really embarrassed, you know? And so I got the call and I cried. I was like, I, like, I get these, you know, bad brain days and I get frustrated and sad about my ADHD brain. And I recognize that and validate that. And I'm like, you know what? Don't let it mean something about yourself. You know, you just have an ADHD moment and like, no one cares, you know, it doesn't mean anything about you. You know, you just try again tomorrow. I love that. What we do is we make things mean something. We give it meaning and we don't even realize that we are the ones giving it meaning. We think that's just the truth. Like everybody thinks I'm stupid. And like, that was so embarrassing as if it is a fact, right? Like that, that was embarrassing instead of I'm giving this meaning. I am making it mean that I didn't show up like a professional or I didn't, you know, whatever. And I think that that is a really good question that you can ask yourself as you're going through your list, what have I made this thing mean? And then like, honoring that and acknowledging it. And then like moving forward, what do I want to make it mean? That's awesome. Yeah. Validating those feelings makes such a difference because, Mm. you know, just like it, you feel your feelings and they're real, you know, I feel embarrassed whether or not it's like objectively embarrassing in a fact, or if anyone else was embarrassed for me, you know, it's irrelevant. Like I feel embarrassed so I can be a comfort to myself. Like I really am working on saying the things to myself that I say to my friends, you know, we're so mean to ourselves. Well, if my friends, talk to me like I talk to myself I would not they would not be my friends they would not yeah (laughs) and it's just how it's it's so hard to do it to ourselves and it's so silly but yes and I I honestly as I'm getting older I really don't care as much what people think you know I have my loved ones my like trusted network and so I really value what they think and then with the podcast and you know our audience there I value what they think about that but then other people like walking down the street or if someone sees my son has you know a dirty sweater or something it's like I get to choose what that means about me. You know, it doesn't mean I'm a bad parent. Like, even if they think it does, like, so what? Yes. <laughs> like, how yes. does that even, most of the time I won't even know that. And I probably don't know you or don't care, you know? One of the matter. things that I have been practicing is allowing people to be wrong about me. Yes. And I think that ties in with what you're saying. Just like, I want to make space for people to just be able to think what they want to think and not have to, first of all, I don't have to know, Mm -hmm. right. I don't have to, um, like assume or wonder is that is not my business. That's right. 
Yeah, it's theirs. And a lot of the time it's about, you know, their own stuff. Like they're seeing yeah. it through their own foggy yeah. lenses, you know, through yeah. all their stuff so and true. doesn't have anything to do with us, you know? Yeah. So for someone listening, who's like, I hear you, <laughs> this is cute, adorable, adorable conversation, but like, it's just not possible. Like I just can't, there's no way I would be able to pardon myself. Do you have any words for them, for someone like that, who might, who might be thinking like, this is just, isn't something that I would ever be able to do. I totally hear you because that is me. I am you (laughs) because an Enneagram one, you know, perfectionist with ADHD is just such a combination of like, you are so hard on yourself. Like every moment it can be a struggle. So I have a standard of perfection and, you know, I'm not great at any, you know, getting anywhere close to that. So I make a mess of things all the time without meaning to. And, you know, I just see that I'm still alive. You know, I notice that like, (laughs) I'm still here and, you know, Glennon Doyle is my, I'm name checking all these amazing teachers. You really are. (laughs) I just, I follow a lot of personal development content, but yes, Glennon Doyle, Renee Brown and Elizabeth Gilbert are some of my, you know, icons. And Glennon has a great story about a friend who, you know, because Glennon has had, you know, addiction issues, Mm -hmm. you know, she's had lots of things in her life. And her friend said to her, you know, you've screwed up more than I have, which I think is funny. And she's like, how do you let that go so well? You know, and Glennon posted a graphic that says, I have some issues with my past self, but she was young and I forgive her. And then she wrote in her post, my secret is that I forgive myself relentlessly, just relentlessly. It annoys people how freely and relentlessly I forgive myself. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And my husband does the same thing, by the way. And it does annoy me. Because he's so easy on himself. I'm like, wow. You let yourself off the hook so easily, you know? Yeah. But he's he's he operates with the assumption that he is always trying his best with the information and circumstances and consciousness that he has at the time. Mm. You know, and that is so true. Like that's why I don't blame anybody, including myself, for not knowing that I had ADHD early on. Mm. And I'm learning not to punish myself for those past mistakes because we just didn't know. We mm. we're young souls. We're always trying our best. So you know, we're just all humans, even you know, neurotypicals are still humans with yes. lots of different kinds of baggage, just stumbling yes. through life, trying to figure it out. You know, mm. there's I no rule book. That. So we all deserve grace. You know, there's no rule book. Oh my gosh. I love it. So what are the things that you've pardoned yourself for? Maybe some of even the hardest things that you've let yourself off the hook for. Yeah, I think there are three main categories of things I pardon myself for and money. Is I love, first of all, I got to stop you. Like not just three things, three categories. Three categories. Oh, Kristen, <laughs> I have a long list. I have not this counted how many amazing. grievances, but <laughs> okay, I'm you sorry, can have like a on. drop of scroll, you know, like the medieval scrolls <laughs> yes. that like fall to the floor, you know, <laughs> all of the items, you know, so the buckets of things, you know, I love it. <laughs> So money, you know, money is something that I have not been great at. You know, I avoid money and I think I do have some deep issues of worthiness to Mm. contend with, you know, about like what I deserve, um, you know, that I deserve to earn a living, you know, a good living at the thing I love to do and those kinds of things, you know, but anyway, I avoid money and it's expensive to have ADHD also because of the treatments and then because of all the inattention, you know, you forget things, you lose things, you break things, you know, I put like blankets in the dryer that weren't supposed to go in the dryer and had like fluff all over the dryer and no more blanket. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I have like, lost track of the late fees I've accrued and, you know, the Mm. parking tickets I would get in San Francisco. And so this is the big one. This is one of the worst mistakes that I have ever made. And it was really, 
really hard. It took me a little while to let go of this. This was pre ADHD diagnosis, but Mm. last spring when COVID first hit, you know, our marketing firm, we lost some clients. It was, you know, a lot of people were because everything was slowing down. People were freaking out. So we applied for a forgivable loan for small businesses based on kind of the number of people we had on our staff and their salaries and everything. But I, you know, it's a ton of paperwork was really confusing. The rules were being rolled out. Like this was the PPP and yeah, no one knew what was going on. <laughs> so we just wanted to get in there because the pool of money was limited. Right. Mm-hmm. So I did apply quickly, but I ended up applying for much, much less than we could have gotten like th- tens of thousands of dollars. Probably. I mean, mm-hmm. we received enough, you know? So it was, first of all, Darren was very kind about it. You know, he's my mm-hmm. business partner and my husband. And he was always, he was like, look, we got what we needed and we got it quickly. And the fact mm-hmm. is, you know, it was enough. And you know, it was a limited pool of money. So I consoled myself by thinking we probably saved another business or two with that money that we could have claimed, but didn't, you know? Um, so that was hard, but that would help me pardon myself. But the fact that he was kind about it, helped me be kind to myself. I wrote about it. You know, I posted a social media thing about it and just like, if I can love myself through this, then I can, you know, love myself through this, the smaller mistakes too. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people related to, you know, those things that we just like hate ourselves for. And like, we did, I didn't know, <laughs> like totally, it was super confusing. So that's money mm. <laughs> category one <laughs> <laughs> now behind door. Number two, behind door. Number two is hurting loved ones. <laughs> so, you know, I've impulsively lashed out or said hurtful yeah. things or just careless things, you know, to family members or coworkers and just immediately regretted it or regretted it later. And, you know, I have acknowledged that hurt and apologized. And often people don't remember like a lot of this time. I mean, half the time, more than half the time, they don't remember, you know, yeah. and they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, I have been thinking about this for years. You know, like you don't oh even remember. Word. And then you're like, what a waste of energy, you know? Yeah. And then also you, you know, you have friends that apologize to you for the same thing over and over and you're like, please let it go. And you see yourself yeah. in them. You're just like, yeah. you know, it's hard to forgive yourself, but mm-hmm. I really want you to, because we don't need to have this conversation again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the third main category is creative projects. So, you know, I talked about the things that I haven't yet done with mm. the reschool yourself project, you know, with my creative stuff in general, like I really do want to earn a living at this because I do feel like I have things to offer, you know, like insights about my own struggles with perfectionism and anxiety and depression and now ADHD, you know, and self-compassion. And I have read a lot. So I have a lot of research kind of just in my mind, you know, Mm -hmm. this database around personal development. So Mm -hmm. I know that if I can create the space and catch up on my paid work and build systems and bridges, you know, externally, I can, I know my goals are achievable. It's just Mm. a matter of, you know, I've known about this for five months. You know, I've got to be patient with myself. Right. You're such a new, new, new ADHD. You're so new to this whole understanding of yourself, this whole new lens that you get to see yourself through. Yeah. And it takes so long, you know, 40 years to build up all these different, you know, negative self-concepts and, you know, so undoing that's going to take a little bit. Yeah. Again therapy helps, you know? Yes. 100%. It's like not only in the moment that you need to pardon yourself, but the foundational self-concept work. And, and you have a course on self-concept yeah. that I'm starting to work through. And just like every morning I'll start out in my journal with like, you know, affirmations, like I am insightful. I am loyal. I am a hard worker. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's a book called, um, what to say when you talk to yourself, 
about this and just all these scripts that are running that we don't even notice, but are programming us and determining our actions, you know? So it's the foundational ongoing work and it's in the, in the moment uh, pardons. Yes. And then when the things come up at 3am, yes, (laughs) it's the like ride that wave of emotion and intentionally feel it and just let yourself be free of it. Yes. Cause it's, it's up to you for yourself. It's up to you not to compare yourself to people. It's up to you. You Mm. get to decide. Yeah. My mantra, my, one of my new mantras is I get to decide. (laughs) Yes. You are a grown woman and you get to decide. That's right. Mm. (laughs) Just stomping my foot on the ground. I get to decide. (laughs) Yes. I'm the boss of me. So good. So (laughs) what have you seen you know, recently in your results, as you've implemented this practice of pardoning yourself, what has been um, better for you, whether it's like emotionally or like your, your productivity or your just experience of the world? How has that changed because of this practice of pardoning yourself? Yes. Well, when I, with mindfulness, I notice when I'm starting to beat myself up and go into that shame spiral. So if I pause and notice that and acknowledge that, like how I'm feeling, name the feeling of like embarrassment or frustration, I can stop the spiral and shift to something, you know, more helpful. So for example, I talked about modeling for my kids, what it is to be compassionate to myself, because all these things, a lot of the time when we're hard on ourselves, our kids pick up on that and they start doing it to themselves too. And yeah, I worry especially about my daughter, you know, because she says like, oh, that's perfect. And I'm like, no, erase perfect from your vocabulary. <laughs> like there's nothing perfect. <laughs> anyway, but so we were driving to her dance lesson. They moved the location. And so it was like very hard to find. I was starting to get stressed out because I was late yep. and she was in her little, you know, leotard and stuff in the back seat, in her car seat. And then I was like, we're going on an adventure, you know. We all make mistakes. She's like, mommy, where are we? Look <laughs> at that construction site. <laughs> we're on an adventure. And I was like, we're going to find it eventually. We'll get there when we get there. You know, mm. so just saying this out loud to myself, you know, and then speaking out my frustrations, like mom is getting frustrated right now. Can help yeah. me calm myself. And when I yell at them, I pardon myself because parenting is hard. It's freaking hard, oh, especially during a pandemic when you've got children with ADHD. Yes. I mean, just in general. And so I apologize and I tell them, you know, I'm sorry I hurt you for this reason. I will do better this way, you know, and modeling that, modeling conflict, modeling that we're all imperfect. Like yeah. I grew up thinking that as a kid, I thought adults have it all figured out. I will have all the answers too when oh, I'm an, an adult. And it was a hard fall when I realized now I'm an adult. I do not have this figured out. And my parents didn't either. So like I am lost in the world. Somebody yes. give me the answers, you know? Yes. So Malia, if somebody is really inspired by your words, uh, your work, how can they reach out to you if they want to get in touch? Yeah, you can go to maliadicker.com. So my name is spelled M-E-L-I-A-D-I-C-K-E-R. It's an unusual one. And right now that redirects to theevolvingperfectionist.com, which was a project I did. Yeah, but all of my, um, you know, contact information is there, including the Semi Together podcast, which you can find, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm also on Instagram at Evolving Perfectionist, and I will be posting more there soon. I did a project over the summer where I did 40 reflections leading up to my 40th birthday. You talk about hyper-focus, like every night I read a reflection on, you know, a topic like 
clarity or curiosity or something that mm. I've sort of, sort of shifted my thinking about since I was younger, you know, and how I'm, you know, how, how, how I have evolved and how I am evolving, you know, and that helps me practice that I'm still mm. evolving with all these different things. So yeah, anyway. that's great. And we'll link that in the show notes too. So people can easily find you. Yes. Mm. I'm just so thankful that you were willing, first of all, to share the concept in Slack, be willing to let me like borrow it and, and be willing to come and chat about it on this podcast, because I just want to co-sign that thought that you have a lot to offer. You do. You have so much to offer. And I'm so glad that you were willing to come on and, and share this with my listeners, because I know that this is going to be transformative for the people who really resonate and understand that deep seated perfectionism. Um, it's just very hard to navigate our way through it. And I think you've shed so much light on it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I mean, I thank you because you help us be kinder to ourselves and less perfect because you model that every day for us, you know, just like I am imperfect. I am playful about it. It's okay. It's not a problem. And I'm doing amazing work, Kristen, you're doing amazing transformative work for all of us. And so if we could all be kinder to ourselves and model that for other people, then they can be kinder to themselves. And we can always like release ourselves to like do the work we're supposed to do in this world and make our contributions that are like locked up within us. So beautiful because it is such a ripple effect. Like you're saying it is, it is. I mean, literally I told my sister, you know, it's not a problem. We said it on our podcast, you know, she says it to herself now, you know, mm-hmm. I have an urge jar, you know, that like yes! <laughs> we put coins in when we surf the urges. My son has one now. My daughter wanted one. On! She doesn't get the concept she's four, but <laughs> But Evan does. And so when he can surf the urge and not like jump on the bed when he walks by it, right. put a coin in the jar, you know? Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. So you are creating ripple effects through the world. And ah. I am grateful to be here with you. <laughs> if you're being treated for your ADHD, but you still don't feel like you're reaching your potential, you've got to join Focus. It's my monthly coaching membership where I teach you how to tame your wild thoughts and create the life that you've always wanted. No matter what season of life you're in or where you are in the world, Focused is for you. All materials and call recordings are stored in the site for you to access at your convenience. Go to IHaveADHD.com slash focused for all the info. 